Hi, this is Big Talk. Michael Glab here. You know, uh, for more than a quarter century after this community radio station first went on the air in Bloomington, our music programming was steered by one man, Jim Mannion. Jim retired this spring, and our board and our staff went about the task of looking for someone to take over his cubbyhole office. Now, they didn't have to look far as Jim's replacement was working here already. Uh, The announcement was made later in the spring that Christine Brackenhoff would become just the second music director in WFHB's history. Now, we here at Big Talk are bookending that historic transition. We had Jim Mannion on the program in a two-parter that aired May 20th and 27th. Now, three months later, Christine has settled in as the brain behind the sounds here, and we welcome her to Big Talk. Christine Brackenhoff, happy to have you aboard, and thanks for coming on the program. Uh, Thank you for having me. It's great to be here. If I recall correctly, uh, some of the discussion that I had with Jim is that he said, thank goodness I don't have to monitor the radio station 24 hours a day now. (laughs) Are you finding yourself in that position? I I am, and it's a good thing. I, so I've, I started volunteering at WFHB in 2015. And so I, my familiarity with the, the music programming as a whole was, well, was more centered in pockets. And so I, started off with the uh, Thursday morning music mix that was a six to 8 a.m. time slot and then, and then <laughs> right exactly it can be that can be a very fun peaceful part of the morning and it's it's fun to tune into if you're an early morning riser as well but uh, from there I jumped into rotations for off the charts which used to be on Sunday afternoons the rotation for reggae children which is at noon on Sundays, Beat Party, which is the dance music show on Saturday nights at 10 o'clock, and then other daytime mix shows. And so across the board, my familiarity with the music programming was, yeah, a little more segmented, but it's been great to see, look at the bigger picture more consistently. You know, another thing uh, that Jim mentioned, and boy, I, I I hate to even bring this up to you. You'll probably want to run screaming out of the room. We talked about if there came a time when someone called and said, you know what, I'm not making it in today. One of the DJs. And you know who that falls back on? I'm looking right at her. Exactly. (laughs) Has that happened yet? It hasn't happened yet. It's interesting that our, our key system has changed. Well, Key system has changed, but also due to the pandemic, there have been changes made uh, because so much of the programming needed to change. The, the format of the programming, who was running the programming, uh, changed pretty quickly with the onset of the pandemic. That There are backups in place now uh, so that the air won't totally go dead, or at least it shouldn't go totally dead uh, if somebody can't make to the station. But of course, it's always our preference that we do have a, a live DJ on the air. So you haven't had to jump in some decent clothing and uh, speed over in your car uh, to the station because someone's got to spin the records. Right. Not yet. (laughs) Hey, you know, you're the you're the new generation, clearly. And, uh, you know, Jim is part of my generation. We're old men. (laughs) Let's be frank. But does anybody spin vinyl on the air anymore? 
there, there are a few DJs that spin vinyl and, and uh, in particular, I know that ODB, Old Dirty Bryce, uh, who is one of the Friday afternoon DJs, I know that he uh, has spun vinyl in the past, uh, but CDs are primary. CDs, that's old technology too, for gosh sakes. <laughs> that's, that's very true. What's nice about the CDs, we usually have cover art, uh, liner notes to interact with that physical experience with music. Now, see, back when I was just getting into radio, and we're talking decades back, uh, actually, I started off in high school myself uh, uh, doing a, a high school radio program. And then eventually I got into more commercial and I got into community radio and so forth. Now, back in those days, you're talking about the late 70s, early 80s. It was a pretty simple process of getting a voice and a song and a news report over the air. Now, we're talking about straightforward stuff like analog switches and toggles, knobs and meters and dials, all, you know, they were all labeled. <laughs> oh, move this, move that. And now our programming is run through automated software. And that, by that, oh, gee, listener, don't get the wrong idea. That doesn't mean robots <laughs> are doing this right. stuff. What exactly does it mean that our software and our programming is automated? So now when, so in situations where somebody can't make it to the station uh, live on the air, ultimately we have a, uh, a separate channel that can be switched on the board so that uh, music is still playing or another syndicated program, pre-recorded program will still play. But when a live DJ or live announcer does show up at the station, they can just switch the channel to put on the mic, put on the equipment uh, that is in person at the station. And so it's really just it's a matter, a matter of uh, ultimately of switching computers, uh, picking the signal from one computer to another. Just to give the listener and yourself uh, an idea about how long this craziness has been going on. The last time I was in the studio to do a recording for this program was in February of 2020, and that was with the Busman's Holiday Boys, Lewis and Addison Rogers. You know who they are. Uh, right. Great musicians, terrific guys. They're, they're just a hoot and a holler, both of them. But it's, it's a year and a half already since I've even seen the inside of the studio. Oh, yeah. It's been fairly recent for me as well. I came back to the studio this past May, but before then, uh, I had last been in the studio either February or March of 2020. It's nice to be back. It's nice to be back there, but I know that it's it feels like a lot of two steps forward, one step back in terms of getting the station to be uh, back at full capacity. <laughs> there were always people coming into and out of the stations back in the good old days, uh, that is pre-pandemic days. I guess it's getting sort of lonely there now, no? It's a little bit, but there are a few, usually, I'm usually in the station in the evenings or on the weekends. Sometimes I'll pop in during the daytime. And when I pop in during the day, Jar Turner, our general manager, is often there, or Kirsten Payton, uh, another staff member, Kate Young, our music director, are usually in there. So it's been nice to see them in person uh, from time to time, as well as, the occasional DJ. 
I hate to be didactic, but I'll just do a little correction here. Uh, Kate Young is our news director. You're the music director. <laughs> Did I just say that? Did I just say yeah. you're the music director? <laughs> hey. Kate Young is the that, that is correct. Kate Young is the news director. <laughs> Even us great and experienced professional radio people make mistakes. Can you believe it? <laughs> a lot of people want to get on the air, I'm sure. We've got a lot of people who are on the air, spinning music, making news reports, doing uh, feature shows. But from your point of view, you're, you're with the DJs. Do they have to go through some crazy long uh, training process and learning curve to figure out how to do this stuff? It's not crazy long. Uh, we do have a training process where we'll go over the, the technical sort of instructions in the air room itself, uh, talk about how to, well, we call it Mixology 101, which is the, the process of creating a mix show and uh, various other DJ techniques. But it's it over the course of a few weeks, you can go from uh, basically expressing your interest to, in volunteering to being on the air. Of course, with with COVID, uh, we we have to do a little bit of shuffling. Uh, we try not to to have too many people in the studio at one time for the sake of social distancing. But between just spacing out individual meetings or arranging remote meetings over Zoom, etc., we're always onboarding new DJs and excited about that. You hear business owners uh, right now these months and and weeks. Uh, talking about how difficult it is to find people to work for them. Now, is the same thing going on for you with DJs? Are you finding people who want to come in to work at WFHB? We do have new volunteers uh, coming along right now. I know of a few that are undergoing the DJ training process between the pandemic, but maybe just as is the case with community radio in general. Sometimes there are several folks that have that are still volunteering at WFHB have been around since the beginning and some folks that sort of ebb and flow in terms of how, in terms of their schedule availability to uh, be at the station. And so, but I think that that combination of folks that have been around for a while and uh, folks that are fairly new to the station, I think that that makes it exciting. I think that's part of the, the excitement of community radio is that, that those two different qualities. Christine Brackenhoff, uh, the new, new-ish uh, new, uh, music director. I almost said news director myself there. <laughs> <laughs> music director here at WFHB, only the second in our long history. We started out back in the early 90s. Uh, Christine, are you doing any on-the-air stuff? Are you playing any music? I am. I'm doing the well, every other week I am on the 3 to 5 p.m. Monday afternoon slot, which is what Jim used to be on. And so doing that every other week and I am on the local music show once a month. And so those have both been a lot of fun to spin new music primarily as well as uh, spotlighting local talent. Do you still get that sort of nervous feeling when it's time to go on the air? A little nervous, but it's good nervous. Like it's good nervous. Like butterflies. Yeah. Right. Yeah. The kind that you want to have. You never want to have it where, oh, this is nothing to me. Because once you once you start thinking it's nothing to you, that's what it sounds like. It's nothing. Right. 
Well, you you have been out in the world a, a little bit. Uh, you worked for Rock Paper Scissors. You were a publicist for that outfit, and you worked for a company I believe was called Urban One as an integrated marketing specialist. You've done a few other things. How the heck did you wind up here at WFHB? Sure, my I had my first DJ experience at WIUX in 2015. Uh, I studied telecommunications. Primarily, that was my major at Indiana University with a minor in music. And so uh, a friend of mine was involved with WIUX at the time and loved it. And so their enthusiasm for radio uh, drew me in. And it was funny, I initially didn't have, well, I initially didn't set out to be on the air. I was thinking I'd do a little more behind the scenes stuff, but maybe, maybe there's just an opening for the evening show that I ultimately did sign up for, but that was, <laughs> the rest is history basically ever since then. I um, I love the active role in researching new music and sharing it with others. I was really fascinated with Australia, well, still am, but uh, especially music from Australia and New Zealand at the time. So I focused my show on music coming out of Australia and New Zealand. I, I love the challenge of uh, finding new music, especially if you have certain parameters to work with. And sharing that with others. And so when summertime came around, I was looking for some sort of radio summertime experience. And that's when I connected with Jim Mannion, had a meeting with him in the big production room at WFHB. And uh, the rest is history. I've been with WFHB ever since then, primarily with the music department. I have, uh, I have taken on a role with the news department editing Activate mm-hmm. the Activate segment, but uh, in addition to the music shows that I've hosted, I've also been the coordinating producer for Firehouse Sessions for several years and have hosted a few uh, Lotus Live sessions. You know, I've got to say this. Uh, I'm listening to your voice. And as I'm listening, I can hear a youngish woman. Now, uh, there's something that we talk about in our business, and that is called the graying of community radio, a bunch of old guys like me who are, you know, were involved with community radio, you know, 600 years ago and still are involved in it. We want to get some youth. We want to get some new faces, some new demographics in. And you're you're part of that. Do you sense that yourself? Do you are you cognizant of that? Sure. Yes, I I am cognizant of that, and I think it's exciting to well be a part of a, a diverse group of folks uh, at the station, both well on the staff level and as well as just the the station as a whole. Uh, I think that another one of the really cool things about community radio is that there is a wide range of folks of all different ages. From I mean, with youth radio starting in high school through folks that are seniors and so, I, <laughs> and so you're and being so I, very nice yeah. <laughs> so I, th- I think that that wide range of of ages is really exciting and uh what i really love about curating the ad pool and so curating the ad pool is one of my main responsibilities on a week-to-week basis and it's one of my priorities to make sure that we're both making it a making the ad pool every week diverse uh, in terms of genre, but also in terms of artist representation uh, across a variety of demographics. 
Now, you're using a term that either I can't hear or I'm unfamiliar with. The what pool? The ad pool. So the ad pool is a collection of new albums that we put into the station, put into the studio, the A-Room specifically, every week. At least 10 albums. And after six weeks, we file them into other places of the studio or the library. And so we ask our morning and afternoon mix DJs during the week to play at least four selections of their choice of songs, as long as it's FCC friendly, <laughs> which most of them are. It's Our CDs are labeled if there are any uh, language issues, but they can play any four songs at least uh, every hour, as long as they're songs from the ad pool. What's exciting to me about the ad pool is that it's also a representation of our goal to celebrate and increase the local cultural diversity. Uh, We have really awesome genre directors and reviewers that suggest ad pool editions every week, specifically for blues, jazz, electronic music, international music, folk music. And I tend to keep an eye out for all genres, but when those genres are basically already represented in the ad pool, I'll go look for new genre or other genres like indie rock, soul, R&B, etc. And so uh, I love that it's a diverse group of folks both contributing to the ad pool, making sure that the music that we're putting in the ad pool is uh, eclectic. Another element that I love both on the macro and sort of micro levels of FHB. Now, are, are musicians still sending in actual hard copy CDs to the station saying, Dear Christine Brackenhoff, a music director at WFHB, please play my music. They are, yes. And we get both a lot of CDs and uh, digital downloads sent via email. And so uh, CDs are our primary format. And so I actually really enjoy when they send us CDs because uh, that, that gives us that gives us the equipment that we need to physically put the music in the studio. And it's always nice to have that album art, uh, those liner notes, et cetera, uh, to accompany the CD. So uh, another, another one of my uh, usually month to month tasks is to uh, go through, well, when, when the mail comes in for CDs, I'll file them to the appropriate genre director shelf, reviewer shelf, or I'll go through them myself and, make a judgment call to see which albums will appeal to our DJs and listeners. Judgment call. Are there any objective, identifiable standards that lead to that kind of judgment call? Sure. I'll, if a CD comes in from an artist that I know has been really popular in the past, I'll usually set it aside to add it to the ad pool. Uh, What was really helpful about DJing off the charts in the past was that a large part of that show was focusing on the top 10 albums in a given week. And so I, that history with that show has helped me familiarize tastes for the DJs at WFHB overall. And so I'll set aside CDs from artists that I know have been really popular with the DJs in the past. Even labels can help us sort of identify artists that are popular, even if I don't recognize the artist's name specifically. For example, uh, Coal Mine puts out a lot of soul music. And I know that uh, artists like Duran Jones have been really popular with the DJs at the station. And so if I see if I see an artist that maybe I don't recognize their name, but I notice that they're on Coal Mine, I, I know that there's a strong chance that that sound will appeal to the DJs and listeners as well. 
we're talking about radio here. We're talking about an historic transition for WFHB. Uh, we're talking with the, only the second music director in this station's history. Uh, she replaced Jim Mannion, who was the first and only for more than a quarter century. Her name is Christine Brackenhoff. Uh, Christine, it's such a thrill to have you on this uh, program. And it's such a thrill to have you in the station. You're bringing youth and vitality, and I love it. Oh, thank you very much. It's really great to be here. Well, back in my and Jim Mannion's day, we were the kind of kids who took a tiny little pocket transistor radio, took it and hid it under the covers, and went to sleep at night with a little earplug in, listening to uh, the Beatles or Marvin Gaye or little Stevie Wonder or the Rolling Stones. And, and by the way, Charlie Watts just died yesterday. In any case, we were the radio generation. You're a different generation. Did you grow up with little pocket transistor radios or what did you grow up with? I did listen to the radio. It was primarily in the car, but I, it's funny that you mentioned sleeping with a, a radio underneath your pillow because I remember one time in high school, I had an iPod with me, which that, I mean, I, I don't know anybody that actively uses an iPod anymore, but I, I would run the headphones of my iPod up my sleeve and put it in my ear with my hand over my ear uh, in study hall. <laughs> and I, I remember being being caught once and had my iPod confiscated. But it was I mean, it was a very similar uh, listening experience. <laughs> and you think back to what groups or acts you were listening to in those days. Right. Uh, so, I mean, in that particular moment in time, I was, um, for lack of a better description, I mean, maybe pop punk, but I was I was really into the Vans Warp Tour in high mm -hmm. school. And so uh, I lived maybe a 10 minute drive from the venue, historically called uh, Deer Creek, I believe. <laughs> it's gone it's gone under several name changes since then. I grew up um, in the uh, on the in the northern suburbs of Indianapolis. Uh -huh. and, so, uh, and so I was really into that sort of pop, uh, pop punk music in high school. But then I remember one of my friends, sophomore year of high school, introduced me to Pitchfork, the music publication. And yeah. that, that sort of sparked a new sort of avenue to find new and emerging artists. Uh, so that, that was a major moment in time was sort of discovering, discovering more music online. And then when I went to college, went to and eventually got involved with WIUX, I loved the uh, organic feel of college radio, which I mean, which is very similar to community radio in a lot of ways. But I loved that organic feel. Uh, I loved hearing new music. I wasn't hearing the same song every, <laughs> once an hour. <laughs> uh, I was hearing artists I had never heard before, uh, hearing a different song anytime that I tuned into the radio. And so uh, that was that was really a nice transition over to community radio was that organic, organic feel and uh, knowing that it was ultimately my neighbors that were on the radio. You know, back in 2019, uh, during our fall fund drive, you put up a plea for donors to contribute to WFHB. And by the way, it's really easy to do that, listeners. Uh, just go to WFHB.org and click on the big red donate button 
and it's a quick and secure transaction. In any case, you put up a plea during our fall fund drive that year, and you said, and I'm going to quote, I've been having a lot of conversations lately about leveling the playing field for women in music. And you went on to talk about how you were pretty happy about how WFHP was getting women in music out there. Absolutely. I mean, even in the past year, I've heard conversations about how certain certain genre-specific radio stations, commercial radio stations, uh, there's a disproportionate amount of uh well there's there's just a huge gender disparity oh uh, gosh right um or and I, there's also sort of an unwritten uh rule that you can't or shouldn't play uh two female voices back to back is that true it, that's it's it's an unwritten rule yes yeah <laughs> um and so and so that for that reason i I was really happy to see on that particular week that there were women at least represented in each of the bands uh, on that top 10 of the week, because it, it really kicked back at the idea that listeners don't want to hear uh, two women back to back on the radio. Yeah. I love that we have, uh, I mean, there's a nice gender ratio at FHB in terms of who's making programming decisions on a show by show basis, but also that, interest and and having a a diverse and level playing field on the air is represented in our weekly charts. We've even got a long-standing regular feature program called Women's Space uh, with uh, the DJs Carolyn, Katie B, and Ash Tang. Uh, I guess they alternate each week, uh, correct? Correct. Okay. And they are women's voices, presenting women's music. And that's a terrific thing. Now, let me jump to another one. Are we doing just as well with people of color? We are. Well, so part of my ad pool curation is to make sure that we uh, are representing as best as we can on a a week-to-week basis. Uh, Equal playing field for women, uh, equal playing field for uh, non-binary folks uh, as, as is possible, as well as people of color. That is a a high priority that I make in curating the weekly ad pool. And if I find that it's too, or too unbalanced, well, at least with the new releases that we have in a given week, I might just need to shuffle shuffle around artists across a month, for example, uh, to make sure that we are upholding our value and making sure that we have a diverse ad pool. The sort of brand new music director here at WFHP, only the second music director we've ever had at this station, Christine Brackenhoff, the new generation. Uh, I'm hoping you're going to be here for another quarter century yourself, as Jim Mannion was. I hope you're happy here. I am. I'm loving it. Christine, thanks so much for being on Big Talk. Thank you, Michael. Michael. 